podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Welcome to a Celtic State of Mind, I'm Paul John Dykes and today I am delighted to be joined by Colin Watt for the Axon Bulletin. Colin, welcome back to the studio. Thanks for having us again, Paul. It's great to see you again and there's plenty to discuss as always. We've got a big game coming up tonight and uh, prior to that we've been listening to the uh, the ramblings of the Craig Levine, the serial loser, you know, still going on about a game that happened 34 years ago. What do you make of that? I think... Craig Levine tries desperately to keep himself relevant. Um, he's been shown to be well out of line with um, comments he's made previously, and I think when it comes to relevance and, and football in general, his his tactics and um, his his approach to the game is probably very outdated. Um, I mean, we're talking about the same guy here that lined up for Scotland. Without a striker. Who would do that? Who would go out in an important game without a striker? One of those false nine positions that mm. you were talking about last week. Um, genuinely though, I mean... I'm kidding. He's <laughs> he's at the stage where he was basically unsackable at Hearts because of his relationship with Ann Budge. And he took them down, got them relegated. Why, why is he relevant in Scottish football? There's other more important... And better voices out there that can be mm-hmm. um, can be heard, and that's who I'd rather listen to. But you know what it is? Craig Levine's just got that way of thinking he's playing a mental mind game with people, and really he's just making a complete idiot of himself. Well, the, the thing with Levine is um, his stock has fallen off the side of the the planet, definitely you know, in terms of managerial definitely stock. And there was a time where he was actually deemed good enough to manage his country. Um, he applied for the Dundee United job. Recently, didn't even get an interview. So in relation to him as uh, a relevant figure in Scottish football, I would suggest that you're you're absolutely spot on in what you say. Now, the comments he makes, though, you know, th- that's about 
that's about fellow professionals, Colin. Yep. Because what he's implying, and this is uh, a, a famous weekend in, in Scottish football history and Celtic history, because at Love Street, Celtic had to obviously, um, you know, pull a monumental victory out the bag, and they did that to the tune of five goals to nil at Love Street mm-hmm. and the famous lime green strip. And anybody who has watched that footage back or was were at the game uh, recalls it with, uh, you know, the, the kind of fairy tale element of Celtic, you know, against all the odds and at Dens Park, Dundee are playing Hearts. And was Levine playing in that game? I couldn't tell you, were they? No, he wasn't. No? He wasn't playing in that game. So what did he do on the final day of the season to contribute to his own team's success? When you look at it as well, he goes on about how um, St Mirren never turned up, they never tried, they laid down for Celtic. That was basically his line of, of, of thought. Mm. Did Hearts turn up that day? That, I think Hearts get beat that day. So did, did they lay down to Dundee? I mean, come on, look, we've it's all pathetic. heard it. And eventually you've just got to get over it. I mean, Chris Sutton came out with the same comments against them, Fairland, and sometimes when you, you go back to those days, you just go, look, What's happened's happened. The truth has came out eventually and we've moved on. We're now in a, a different time period, a different phase of football life. <laughs> if he's going to hark back to something that happened before I was even born, then it shows the relevance for me of his words in the modern day game. Well, final word on the matter. Obviously, we've spoken to various players who were involved that day. Uh, Danny McGrain talks about the, the famous goal mm-hmm. where the interplay between himself, Paul McStay, Brian McClare and the guy who finished it. Incredible. Uh, you know, it was one of the most memorable goals in, in recent times scored by a Celtic player. You've then got you've you've then got that moment where the, the goalkeeper uh, with the, the ball in his hands, the St. Mirren keeper and the Celtic crowd go wild because we hear that uh, Albert Kidd scored for Dundee against that Celtic fan as well which was yep. fantastic and we've spoken to Frank McGarvey who says that they didn't lie down there was absolutely no favouritism they didn't lie down but uh, his only complaint that day was that the Celtic champagne could have been better and that was McGarvey <laughs> off St Mirren so there you go Campbell Money should have played that game but um, he wasn't feeling well before it and he was vomiting and all this kind of stuff and he was replaced at the last minute at the time that the St Mirren keeper was called through to get the number one jersey on, he just finished his third pie, because obviously there was a tray pie that was, and, and he had been sticking into them. I don't think that had anything to do with it. It was just Celtic were tremendous and did what they had to do, and Hearts failed. And Craig Levine has yep. continued to fail throughout his football career, both as a player as an, a manager as yeah, well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, when you go back and the fact that we still watch, and in fact, it's probably one of the most retweeted football videos out there is that goal the one of who scores it um, but it's the movement and it's the way that Celtic actually build up to that Danny McGrain Beautiful back movement. to goal Beautiful turning goal. getting oh, it down the right hand side in Celtic and out goal. in and out it's the Celtic way mm-hmm. that's how you expect Celtic to play football um, and we've seen very few goals like it since um, I think the, probably the most recent one that springs to mind would either be the goal um, which uh, was part of Lustig's Rabona mm. uh, away at St Johnston where was everybody touches the passes? ball every single player touches the ball or even the goal against uh, was it Leipzig at home when we were they just scored 
and we took kick off, they never touched the ball again before Edward put it in the back of the net. Mm-hmm. So things like that, they are goals that are few and far between. They get you off your seat and they make you really enjoy football. If Craig Levine can't even enjoy that, then it shows you what kind of style of football he likes to play. Um, but just the same, he's becoming irrelevant. It's times that we start to ignore guys like him, Gary Breen, anyone else that's trying to get a talk sport contract. Let's just ignore them and look to the positives and let's look forward to tonight's game where I think we will be wearing that away kit which is based on the 86 um, thing because I believe the hoops will clash with the St Mirren colours so look forward to seeing that in action. you got some inside info on that. I would like to see that at Paisley. Um, what I would say is we've opened up with Craig Levine because you know you can ignore these people or you can challenge them and, and you can actually balance whatever it is they're coming out with so Gary Breen coming away the comments he came away with Craig Levine you know what happens is they are basically sitting there coming away with these comments with no challenge whatsoever No. so if you're on Radio Scotland and you're not going to be challenged by the presenter are you so if Craig Levine's coming away with this kind of nonsensical gibberish then I think it's fair for us to come on and say, well, actually, and I'm going to bring up one of the quotes that's coming in from YouTube from Mick, perhaps Hartsley down to Dundee. So let, let's look after your said, own yeah. backyard, Craig. And uh, it's just the opening salvo to tonight's game against St Mirren. So before we get stuck into uh, how you think Lenny will line up tonight, Colin, we'll have a look at some of the comments coming in via our social media channels, YouTube, Facebook and Twitter. Yep. Um, Francie Dobelu, welcome back to the show, sir. Levine, why this failure and everything he touches still giving a platform to a pain is bemusing. I refuse to listen to his ramblings on the BBC amongst other regular biased guests of theirs. And I think the big issue you've got is if someone's going to give a view, you might disagree with that view, mm-hmm. but it's oh, got to, they've, got, they've got to balance it with, the, you know, they've got to back it up. Why, why do they have that view? I mean, he's basically saying that St Mirren team laid down. It's 34 years later and, he, and he's, he's branding fellow professionals cheats. But he's not the only one that's out there that can just put a viewpoint out and it doesn't get questioned. All you have to take a look back to is uh, Chris Boyd when he was talking about how there was an unrest in the Celtic dressing room. Mm. And he was asked and asked, how do you know this? Where is your information coming from? What evidence have you got to back this up? And not once could he turn around and say, all he said was, I, I know. I just know. I know, with that smirk on his face. There's far too many pundits that are out there that just throw stuff into the air and it makes the headlines. They just say stuff. And, and they've got no substance behind it. I know. Absolutely none. Absolutely. There's, there's so many guys out there that I don't know why they're pundits within Scottish football. Guys like Chris Boyd, Chris Commons, Alex Ray. There's so many out there that just throw stuff out there and because they've said it, it's a thing. They play the game though, they play the game, as do the broadcasters of um, creating a discussion that they know will generate clicks Mm -hmm. Um, and that's exactly the game they're playing and it's all, um, you know, it's ad revenue, so they're trying to generate as many clicks as they possibly can. I remember Ronnie Dyla talking about it, you know, they're desperate for the clicks and that was back then Mm -hmm. and it's getting worse Colin and it's getting worse with the, the, um, the demise of print media, so that they're looking for shock jocks. You know, but there's no credibility if you come away with just a shocking no. headline just to get the clicks. There's no credibility whatsoever. And when you look at it, there's a national radio station that's dedicated to that. Yep. TalkSport is one of the worst radio stations out there because they just come out and they just throw stuff out and say, oh, it's just our opinion, it's not fact. But the way they report it is as if it's fact. Mm-hmm. You've got that Adrian Durham who hates Scottish football 
can't stand Scottish football and makes it be known to the people down there who pacify and listen to him. And it gives our game a bad word because of the views of one guy who's never kicked a ball, who's never played football and has absolutely no relevance in this day and age. And he's got a He's got an, an absolute dreadful knowledge of the Scottish game. When he speaks, you know that he, he doesn't have a good knowledge of Scottish football. Um, now, one man who does have a good knowledge of Scottish football, and Celtic in particular, is Gary Doonan, who is commenting via Facebook. Love Street 86, what a day. A team full of young players. Judas, 23. Magugan and McStay, 21. McClare, 22. White, 17. Grant, 20. Archdeacon, 20. Derek White, 17. 17 years of age. Now, there was a boy there that, you know, when we moved forward a wee bit into the early 90s, Derek White used to get a lot of stick. Mm -hmm. He did get a lot of stick, I yep. remember it. Um, and I felt a bit sorry for him because he was a kid who came through at a very young age, 17 years of age, as Gary quite rightly says there. And we were struggling, actually, under Liam Brady for a centre-half. We were struggling desperately for centre-halves. Mm -hmm. Brady went out, he, he bought Tony Mowbray for a million quid, Gary Gillespie for a million pounds. And we were, we were struggling in that area of the park. Now, Derek White went away and had a, a decent career down in Middlesbrough and elsewhere. I just felt we sold him too soon. And I think Neely Mocking felt that as well, because he was one of Neely's boys mm -hmm. in terms of being a ground staff uh, kid at, at Celtic Park. He was one of the boys, I think, it was very harsh on him to let him go as soon as he did. And Brady started breaking up the centenary squad, if you like. Mm -hmm. And um, it took us a long, long time to get our... Um, identity black, I think. But Derek White, he's one from that from that list there that uh, you forget just how young he was. The sunbed kid, the not the view used to call him. <laughs> it's incredible when you actually look at that. Like, talking about guys that are 22, 21, 20, 17, 18. Seeing nowadays, if somebody's coming in, they're 17, 18, you're not expecting much out of them. I would take a look at maybe someone like Karamoko Dembele, mm -hmm. 17, and we're saying the boy's young, we've got to give him a chance, we've got to let him come in, we've got to let him uh, get maybe 10 minutes here, 15 minutes there. That squad was so young. That was just the way it was. Boys became men mm -hmm. and they went onto the field when they put the, the green and white hoops on. They were competing against guys that were in their, their 20, late 20s, early 30s. They were playing the the man's game. So um, I think obviously sport and science will tell you that wasn't maybe the best way to do it. But in that era of football, then it certainly worked. And you take a look at what happens as you develop then from the centenary squad to maybe Man United's class of 93 mm -hmm. and the way they came through as well. That was a generation of, of young boys that became men by stepping into the man's game. I don't think there's anything wrong with it uh, coming in at an age of 17 and I know that there's the argument and I think you could probably use Kieran Tierney as, as an example of playing so much football at a young age that it, it did affect him in mm -hmm. his early 20s yeah, physically. But if you've got a big enough squad, Colin, because back then, yes, we were playing European football. There was less European games. I mean, if you go right back to 67 when we won the European Cup, nine games to win the European mm -hmm. Cup, we play more than that Um Season Qualifiers. on season, yeah, season on season. So but there's far more games. You look at the amount of games we're going to be playing this season. and But it's all about depth of squad, so you can still give young guys the ages of the players that Gary uh, listed there, you know, 17 up to 21, 22. You can still give them 30 games a season mm -hmm. and it won't burn them out. So it's all about depth of squad, I think. Well, it's always it's something that I made the point of, I think it was the last time or the time before I was on, I always think at Celtic we should have three players that are capable of playing in each position. So when you're thinking about like the left back, it would be ideal to have 
maybe two recognised left backs and someone that can slot in there. Mm-hmm. The same way maybe at right back you're looking at having two recognised right backs and someone else that can slot in there. Um, so <clears throat> if that third person is a youth player, if they're there to sort of bulk up the sc- As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Quad and um, make the bench here and there. That's that's where we can blood guys that are like 17, 18, 19. Mm-hmm. Guys like Welsh, I think it's 20. Um, Karamoko Dembele, 17. We, we've not really done that over the last few years. A, a lot of guys that have went on and made the bench don't really seem to, to make it. Um, and the last player that probably came through before Kieran Tierney, I think Kieran Tierney was 17 when he made his debut. He was, yes. <clears throat> last player that probably came through and done something like that where he made regular appearances is probably Aidan McGeady. And that was 16 when he made his debut at Tynecastle and scored on his debut. Was he as young as 16? I think he was 16, yeah. 16, 17, I thought he was a wee bit older. But I, I, I take your point and I know that Sean Maloney was a teenager when he made his debut, John Kennedy, but unfortunately well, that's, it went a bit wrong for That's John the thing as well, if you look at that game, the Dundee United game, the last game of Kenny Douglas's reign, mm-hmm. all those guys were ages with the, the squad that you've just mentioned and the, the St Mirren team. But then who actually made it out of that squad? There's very few of them. John well, Kennedy, guys like that, but mm-hmm. the, the rest of them all went on to have careers elsewhere but just not at Celtic so players like Jimmy Goodwin wasn't it mm-hmm. and um, Fotheringham made his debut he became the, the youngest ever Celt that day mm-hmm. when he was 16 and Henrik Larson came on as a substitute after recovering from his broken leg Correct. and he had a moustache and I, I don't care what you say Larson had a moustache that day now we'll go back to some more of the comments that are coming through Gary Doonan via Facebook any idea of the Ross County PPV figures on Saturday that's a good point I was asking this yesterday actually do we have any idea of how successful that was for Ross County I've not seen I imagine the figure will come out eventually because it'll be additional revenue for Ross County that they didn't they wouldn't have got normally Mm -hmm. Um, we're talking you get 1800 tickets for Ross County for Celtic fans to go up there and they're actually one of the cheapest away tickets. I think it's roughly about twenty to twenty-two pounds for an away ticket. So you're talking the region of maybe thirty-five to forty thousand pound regularly mm-hmm. from season ticket sales. At fifteen pounds a ticket, you're talking um, for the pay-per-view. If you get sort of two to ten thousand, say, um, people buying that pay-per-view, that's actually covered the loss of not having Celtic and Rangers at uh, Dingwall for the twice that they would be there a season. 
So they'll be looking forward to hopefully more games not being on Sky and being able to to host the pay-per-view going forward because I actually think they did a very good job. I don't know about everyone else that was out there. I I missed the first five minutes. Um, There seemed to be some sort of issue uh, where the, the game cut out just before kickoff, but it came back, and from that point onwards, it was pretty much flawless. So yeah, um, we were I, happy. We were happy with the streaming here as well, Colin. I think a wee bit more disappointed. Correct me if I'm wrong, but this fixture tonight was originally being screened by Sky Sports. It was, yes. Uh, but Paul and Golly ruined that for us, so we're now paying St Mirren twelve quid for tonight's game. Twelve fifty, yeah. Mm. And again, I had a bit of faith with Ross County because they use the same production company that Celtic used, so. Mm. Um, I think they were maybe able to switch servers and be capable with demand for that one. Not sure how the St Mirren one will go tonight. Again, a wee bit cheaper, twelve fifty. But over the last three or four days, it's nearly thirty pounds to watch Celtic, which is almost like a monthly Sky Sports subscription. So it's it's a lot of money for for fans to be shelling out. Um, I see that our our friend Frank McAvenny is on the panel for St Mirren TV tonight. So. Mm. Listen, look forward to hearing what he's got to say. Um, and I think it's Danny Lennon, actually, is in is there it? as well. Is it? After his appearance on a Celtic State of Mind so, week. You know, coming to Celtic State of Mind, you get a gig elsewhere. Uh, Kevin Graham. Levine feigned injury to miss the game at Dens Park that day. An utter cockwomble of a man. Is that one of the words where you just get take two words, sit them together and, and claim it as a word? I think it's one of them ones where you're trying to shout something at someone that just, oh, you're up. And that's it, cockwomble. All right. If anyone can tell me the definition of that, I, I think I can guess. <laughs> ben515 via YouTube. Great news, Tom Roderick still in Neil's plans. Now, the reason I'm bringing this point up from Ben is that we have been speaking a fair bit about some players who are really out on the periphery of the first team yep. for various reasons. Uh, one being Tom Roderick, another being Lee Griffiths. And my point yesterday, my argument, was uh, that I would much rather at this stage of the game have Tommy Rogic and Lee Griffiths as part of that first team squad calling on the bench, mm-hmm. maybe um, instead of the aforementioned Welsh and perhaps Sorrow, but simply because I don't know enough about Sorrow. I know what Rogic can do and I know what Griffiths can do. Mm-hmm. Some of the tweets that came through was, you're basing this on Rogic of three years ago. Well, I don't think he's become a bad player overnight. I just think there's been some injury problems. He's not played enough games and I would like to see him you know, coming back into the fold. Um, Lennon did get asked about uh, Roger and Griffiths the other day and it was positive. So what's your thoughts? Do you think they'll be coming back? Well, it looks if by looking at the training that they will be coming back. Um, Griffiths and Roger seem to have made their way back into first team training, which is positive. Um, I see the point being made about Roger. Roger's really not had that bit of form in a in a while. Mm. Um but he has had a lot of injury concerns and the the person I would kind of compare him to is James Forrest. Now James Forrest was and probably some people still don't want him in the side, but for a long time, um under Ronnie Dyler, it looked as if James Forrest was going to believe in the club and his performances were distinctly average at times. Um it looks as if his contract was going to run out but then he got a new lease of life mm-hmm. under uh, Brendan Rodgers and over the last three seasons he scored nearly 60 goals and about the same in assists. So yeah. um, there is time for Tom Rodgers to turn his Celtic career around. I think him as a player, he's got incredible skill, talent. Um, I think, I can't remember who said it, but he could keep 
um, a beach ball off somebody in a, a phone box. He is a fantastic player. He just hasn't been able to keep his sort of stamina and fitness level up. I like the idea that you had the other day about him choosing his club over his country. Mm-hmm. I think that he's still got that option whilst he's at Celtic. And maybe if he was to move to another team, then he could always go back to his country. Players have done that before. Henrik Larsson retired and unretired for Sweden several times. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think whilst you're playing in Scotland and you're making that, was it close to 13,000 mile journey out to Australia to play games, it's it's not going to be good for you. Um, so delighted to see them back in the squad. Hopefully they'll be in and around the team for Saturday's game against Livingston. Um, and if they get the odd 10-15 minutes here and there it'll build their fitness back up and as we say we go into the season we need as big a squad as possible three players in each position that's exactly what you're wanting you're wanting guys with international pedigree coming back into the squad well it was a selfish comment from a Celtic perspective Colin whereby I did say that um, I would much rather he retired from international football Um, I mean international football doesn't mean much to me no uh, in terms of Scotland, it doesn't. Uh, you know, people might criticise me for that. I'm all about Celtic, mm-hmm. and you know, over the last 22 years of failure in terms of Scottish, uh, the Scottish national team, my interest in that international football has diminished to the point where I have very little interest in it at all. In fact, when when international games come along, it's just a nuisance for me. It's funny that you say that. I mean, we just spoke about Craig Levine. Mm. I think he ruined a lot of people's enjoyment of watching Scotland when he went up and started playing games without a striker. We we are as a, as a country we're a negative team. We play one guy up front and we're pretty much a counter attacking side. We don't really control games and it's it's boring to watch. And I can understand why a lot of people fall out of love with with watching the the Scottish national team. Uh, but you, you miss guys like James McFadden. I mean, there's a guy that could have made it at Celtic, didn't, and went on to have a, a great career down south as well, and he was a stalwart for his country. Mm-hmm. There's there's not a guy like that in the Scotland team at the minute. They, they don't play that way, and they don't allow the most attacking and creative players to to, to show push. what they can do. So um, I, I'm with you. When it comes round to international break, I'm just thinking, when's the next Celtic game? Because I'm bored already. I know. I, and I actually do think we do have enough talented individuals, but uh, we don't utilise them the way that we should. Colin, and as I say, you know, Tommy Rogic, retire from your international football, Lee Griffiths, retire from social media, even though he did tune into the broadcast the other day uh, <laughs> via Twitter uh, or Periscope. So uh, if you're watching Lee, I hope all is well, and I'm looking forward to you getting back into that Celtic side. Now, St Mirren, tonight, how do you see Neil Lennon lining up for that? Uh, we were talking about getting a, a consistency of team selection, but on the flip side, the rotation of the squad is very important as well, Colin. You yep. need to try and get minutes in a lot of players' legs. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think he'll, st- he'll stick with the three-five-two formation again. Um, he-, he came out and said that it was his favourite formation uh, to play with Celtic, so I think he will stick with the three-five-two. Mm-hmm. Um, my-, my team tonight, I've went with Barkas and goal. Uh, the back three staying the same with Ayer, Duffy and Julianne. Duffy is the, the centre focal of those three. I've went with Frimpong on the right, Brown, McGregor and Taylor and I've actually went with Turnbull, Ajeti and Edward. I've I've rested in Cham and I've rested Forrest. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason I've rested in Cham is I don't think this, this game's a game for in Cham. I don't think he'll get the best out of him. Um, I remember going to Love Street a couple of years ago when he got sent off in the first 
was it 20, 30 minutes they get sent off and then we struggled through for a nothing each draw. Mm. So don't know if it's just one of those hoodoos I've got of when someone gets sent off on the ground. I don't really look forward to seeing them play there again. Someone mentioned the other day that Turnbull scores quite often against St Mirren, so bring him in, get him a bit of game time, let's see what he's got. Uh, and Taylor, I think, will just offer that wee bit more defensiveness um, on the left-hand side. If the back three's still trying to gel together, let's protect them a wee bit. I'm not saying that St Mirren are going to come out and be a, a, a dominant force, um, but let's let's just protect them a wee bit. Um, let's give a, the full-backs the chance to go forward and come back. And between that front three, I'm expecting goals. How many goals? I, I, I think we could go with a 4-0 victory tonight. 4-0. Here's hoping, here's hoping that is the case, Colin, so we can build on the performance at the weekend. And uh, you and I will be here this evening for the pre-match, half-time and post-match analysis we will uh, be. tonight. So I'm looking forward to that. And when we're looking at the, the famous Love Street 86, one of the uh, most important uh, factors in that was Albert Kidd, who I believe now lives in Australia. Oh, all right. Um, and on the subject of Australia, I want to give a big shout out to Thomas Dunn, who is from Early Beach, which sounds lovely. It does. You know, Anywhere with beach in the sounds name sounds great. lovely, doesn't it? Uh, and I'm reliably informed that Thomas is the biggest Tim in Australia. So if you're listening in, Thomas, like Lee Griffiths might be listening in, I uh, hope you're enjoying the show. Stay in touch and drop us a message as well. It's great to hear that uh, you're listening in from Australia. And when coronavirus is over, if you want us to come over and do a live show from yours, we'll, we'll more than happily make the journey. You know, bizarrely enough, there was a couple of Australian dates in the, the old tour book really? before coronavirus hit. Wow. Um, but since it's hit, I've, I've kind of become a homebird, so I don't think I'll be doing <laughs> many gigs, uh, many live events. I'll just uh, stay in the, the studio and broadcast from here. Now, another thing, we've spoken about Tommy Rogic and uh, some of the players that you've mentioned who will be playing tonight have benefited from loan deals. I mean, Tommy Rogic went out, he went back to Australia, didn't he, mm-hmm. uh, to get some games because he wanted to be in the, the World Cup squad. One of our current loanies, and I know you kept an eye on him last season, calling all the loanies who were out from mm-hmm. Celtic Park. Last night was getting some tremendous um, accolades on Twitter from the Gillingham fans, and that was Scott Robertson, who was a standout last mm-hmm. night. Played very, very well. Uh, 19 years of age, and uh, they were playing Coventry City in the English League Cup. What do they call it these days? The Caribou Cup? Caribou Cup, yeah. Um, and as I say, I've I seen these Twitter... Uh, comments coming through they've, obviously they're very impressed with the young Celtic player who we did see playing for the first team last season mm-hmm. um, it's a good education for a lot of players to go out and the, the ones I've mentioned previously being you know Callum McGregor uh, Chris Iyer and, and um, I was going to say uh, Terry Christie but that's not it's, not, it's Ryan <laughs> Ryan, Christie. Ryan Christie who went out and they got that experience they came back far stronger and uh, they, they had progressed there's loads of players who go out and loan and they disappear into the ether and you never hear from them again in terms of Celtic do you think that Robertson could be the next in line to go out get 20-30 games come back a, a stronger player I mean it's certainly as you say it's a good opportunity for him and it does sound as if he's making the most of it which is great um, when he came into the squad he wasn't one that I'd heard a lot about. It was Cluj was his first game, I believe, and you you were at that game in Cluj. I mentioned that. Um, and he, he did, he played really well, and any time he's really made a, a wee appearance here or there, he's been okay. Um, I think he 
he was still struggling to get up to speed in pre-season, so this loan spell will obviously um, do him wonders. You, you spoke about Callum McGregor. Mm-hmm. Um, Callum McGregor was on fire for Notts County, I think. He was he had the, the loan deal extended, it was only a six-month deal, and then it became the full season. He won the Player of the Year. Um, I think he was the top goal scorer as well, with maybe 13 or 14 goals. So um, if, if Robertson goes on and makes that impression, then he does leave Lennon the choice of what is he to do with him next I mean it was through injury I believe that Callum McGregor made his, his debut away um, in Iceland when he scored Yeah. Um, so we're talking about perhaps this is the final season for Brown it could be the final season for, for other guys as well that might want to move on with their careers as we rebuild hopefully after 10 in a row so if you go out there this season no matter who you are and you make an impression then you're giving the gaffer a chance to play you next season when it could be a complete different squad we're looking at. When I look at so many players who went out and I thought they would come back and have a career at Celtic, uh, Liam Henderson was one of the players. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, I, I think back to when Neil Lennon introduced him to the, the first team, Colin, and he was highly rated by Neil Lennon, I believe. Yeah. And he went out there and I think he had a couple of really good spells elsewhere. But that turned into a... a permanent transfer which was unfortunate I felt for Liam Henderson at the time I just hope that players like Scott Robertson who have undoubted talent are able to come back because I mean you know it was quite sad when Daniel Church left uh, last week or the week before after 13 years at the club Um, and I'm not just talking about the investment we've put in the player but the players put 13 years in his development within Celtic Football Club and for it to come to nothing for Celtic is always a disappointment for me. So I hope Scott Robertson comes back um, as a Celtic player. And what I would I would hate to see is that for Robertson to become one of these forgotten men, and there are a few which we're going to speak about in a second or two, but something's caught my eye here. This is Stephen Forbes on YouTube, off topic. Mm-hmm. But what is this a state of mind diet Paul John alludes to now and then? <laughs> This is essential knowledge to feel part of the Axom in-crowd. Well, what we try to do is make sure there is no in-crowd because, you know, there are there are some sites out there who might have an in-crowd, but uh, we're all about inclusion. We want everybody to get involved with Axom, but um, the, the Axom diet, I don't know, maybe speak about it in a separate podcast. Um, but it does work, I would say that. Forgotten men. Forgotten men. Uh, let's start off with Karamoko Dembele. Yep, 13 years of age, he makes his debut slightly controversially uh, for the development team. I don't think Brennan Rogers was aware of it. I don't nope. think he was very happy that he made his debut. There was a tug of war between Scotland and England. Um, you know, he's, he, the, the amount of, kind of um, hype around that player uh, at that age was, was actually quite dangerous, I felt. He then makes his debut at 16. He's the youngest ever Celtic European player. Um, Played against Cluj over in Romania, actually. We at that game. So Dembele, there's now been suggestions. Obviously, started off the season on the bench, Colin. Mm-hmm. He's now no longer there. Suggestions that he's looking for a move. Is he going to become one of these forgotten men of Celtic Park? I mean, that that's the that's the worry, isn't it? Um, and from the clips that you see, I know YouTube can make even some of the worst players look really good. Um, but the clips that you do see and the, the times that he has played, he has looked impressive mm. and we are always crying out for the next player to come through and, and to make their name at Celtic and he was almost a stickler to be that person. We speak about forgotten men, um, 
he is potentially going to be one of those if it doesn't this is difficult to say because we've, we've never played the game we've never been there but it sounds as though there's an attitude issue there with Karamoko where he's been given as you say a lot of things at such a young age and he expects to be at a high level throughout his career we look at guys like Islam Farouz mm. that's exactly what happened there it was almost so much so soon and too much too young when, when it came to it, I think Islam's playing Sunday League football or something like that now, so we don't want that for someone like Karamoko Dembele. He does have the potential to go really far in the game. Um, I think he maybe just needs a bit of time to to realise what his next steps are. For me, if I was him, I'd want to try and break into the bench. Once I'm onto the bench, I want 15 minutes. Once I've got 15 minutes, I want more. I want to try and push James Forrest for a starting position. So... (sighs) I really hope that he does come through because it would be a complete waste of someone, as you said, someone like Daniel Church we spent 13 years on, we let him go. Karamoko Dembele could unfortunately be the same. Um, and there's there's lots of guys like that out there. Even guys that were signed like, I mean, Kundai Benyu. There, there's someone that we brought in, that Brendan Rodgers brought in. Can he play left back? <laughs> I think he's, he's struggling to play left back on the bench for some conference team at the minute. I think he's down at Aldershot, but... I actually struggled to find where he was because I don't think he's officially part of any squad at the moment. Is he on trial down there? I think he's <clears> on trial at Aldershot Town. Now, when he was... He's, he's played in Europe for Celtic. He's quite highly thought of down south. Mm. It was one of those sort of, he's made a good move, he'll develop well. I I just hope that there is a future for guys like that because we've signed guys over the, the last few years. Lee O'Connor, um, Jeremy Frimpong, uh, Toby, I can't pronounce his surname, the, the goalkeeper from Spurs. Um, Afolabi. Afolabi, yeah, guys like that. Mm. You want there to be a, a way that they can progress into the first team. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they do the route that Scott Robertson's done and they go, to, go out and loan and make an impression, then hopefully there's a there's a way in there. And maybe that's the best thing for Karamoko at the minute is if he wants game time, get him on a new deal and get him out on loan. Well, you know the, th- the thing with Dembele, the, the cautionary tale of Islam Farouz continually gets name dropped. Mm-hmm. It's almost difficult not to reference him when you're talking about Dembele because of the way things are going at the moment. I think the biggest issue at the moment, I suppose you could say it's part of the attitude that, that you alluded to, but it's the fact that there are players in about him who haven't had a sniff of the first team who are getting moved to Bayern Munich, mm. who are getting moved to Blackburn, who are doubling and trebling and quadrupling their wages. Now, when you look at the comparison in earnings of Aaron Hickey going to Bologna against what he was offered at Celtic, it is vast. I mean, it's not just doubling his wages, it's far more than that. That what I mean, that speaks volumes, Colin. And yeah. at that age, there are players who are chasing the dollar. Now, the issue that I've got with that is there's an agent in their ear telling them to go and do that. Now, what might happen, all the players that were mentioned, the two kids that have gone to Bayern Munich, the one to Blackburn, Aaron Hickey, who wasn't a Celtic player, I know he was at the club previously, who's gone to Bologna. Let's look at them at the age of 23, 24 and see how much first-team football they're going to have. It, it really is a balancing act between wages against actual development as a first-team yeah. footballer. Take a look at Ryan Gold. Ryan Gold was the Scottish Messi. That was the way that they were um, 
portraying him within the, the media mm-hmm. and it's taken him to, to now really I think he's what oh he must be about 25, 26 he must be about no, ages with myself he's ancient 24 or something <laughs> but it's taken him till now to actually prove himself out there I think he was player of the year in mm-hmm. the Portuguese second division mm-hmm. there's a lot of Scottish talent out there guys like Cameron Harper um so sorry, Jack Harper, Cameron Harper's the Celtic player, who I believe is a talented guy as well. Yeah, so, uh, but there is a lot of youth talent out there. But if they don't take the opportunity of playing some first team football, we'll, we'll probably never really know how good they could have been. The thing you, you mentioned on Aaron Hickey, right, and you mentioned about how he was offered whatever he was offered at Bologna. Mm. Celtic probably could have matched that, but they'll only match that if they believe that he's going to play week in and week out. And at the minute, he's probably not going to. He's not at that stage of his development yet. So um, it's not that we're probably outpriced for him. It's just that our concentration's on building a squad for this season. What you would ask on the on the Hickey, because the left-back is still a talking point at Celtic. So on the Aaron Hickey point that you make there, Colin, he would be getting paid in the top bracket of Celtic players yeah. if we matched what Bologna were offering them. For an 18-year-old who would be the second choice to Greg Taylor... As a left back, which is a position position we're currently not utilising mm-hmm. with, with three at the back, and yes, I know that you can put a player up to the left wing back role. There's no way Celtic would would match no. that. No way, no. because you, you're looking to bring in uh, players of a higher calibre for that kind of level of investment in terms of the wages than Arn Hickey. No disrespect to him; he's an 18 year old second choice left back at Celtic. Had we bought him, yeah. And the thing is as well is I don't even think he's in the 21 squad for Scotland. So he's, he's still in that development side of mm. his career. Um, I think speaking about going back to our main topic of Craig Levine, he played him out of position a lot of times at Hearts. Played him at right back. Um, I can remember a game against Rangers where he was ranked rotten and it's nothing against the boy himself but he was getting played out of position by a pioneer of football like Craig Levine. Mm. Um that's sarcastic for anybody that's just tuned in. We've we've slaughtered Craig Levine. Um, I don't think we've slaughtered him. We've just we've, we've stated a few facts. <laughs> He's never won anything as a player or as a manager. No, and that's that's his just factual. It's just factual. That's his so, Wikipedia read. Yeah. Now another forgotten man who I guess I've got a bit of sympathy for as well is uh, Tony Ralston. Mm-hmm. Anthony Ralston. He comes in. I remember some of the games, some of his early performances playing at, at right back at Celtic Park, and I liked the look of him. Um, he got some European experience. Uh, the, the picture of him laughing at Neymar, I don't think it's aged that well, no. to be fair. right? I mean, we were uh, getting beat 5-0 at that I, point. I know, it was probably ill-advised. Yeah. Um, however, he's had a few loan spells, Dundee United, St. Johnson, yep. but now he's not even quoted. So when we're talking about and I agree with you, to have a chance at five trophies in a season, the best option would be to have five players who can fill in at every position. Now that actually means, you know, your left mid- midfielder, left wing back could be Forrest, but he could also be your right. Exactly, so not, yeah, yeah. we're not talking about three teams. different players, we're exactly. just talking about positions. But Ralston doesn't even get a, a look in when we're talking about yeah. right backs. I mean, are we at that stage now, Colin, where Ralston's been phased out of the team entirely? I think... So Ralston's 21 So it's not as if he's Still young uh, Yeah he's, he's still quite young I mean with the thing of that PSG game But I think he was only 18 maybe when he played that game It wasn't as if he was He was overly old um, 
And by all accounts, as you said, I, I had to keep an eye on the lone players last season and mm-hmm. St Johnston um, was a, a good fit for him. I think with certain players, there's a clip level and there's a level you get to um, and sometimes you've just got to go beyond that if you want to make it at Celtic. Um, and I don't know if Ralston's got the ability to go beyond that clip level. Um, you see it quite a few times with guys that we sign. Gary Mackay-Stevens, great at Dundee United, just couldn't quite make that step up. Niall McGinn, fantastic player for Aberdeen, couldn't quite make that step up. And I think Ralston's probably found his level at St Johnston or a similar team to that um, and can't just quite make that next step to becoming a, a Celtic player. So if this is the end of the road for Ralston, then um, all the best to him and I'm sure we will see him in the, the SPFL this season. Well, you could see him playing for various teams in the league, Colin. You know, you could see him playing for Aberdeen. I, I think he could play... I'm not too sure about Aberdeen... Maybe not Hibs, maybe the rest of the league though. Um, I'm t- I'm thinking like a Motherwell, Hamilton, Livingston, teams like that. I did, think did could... he do much wrong for Celtic? <laughs> this isn't this isn't me saying he should be in the team because I don't think he should at this current moment in time. But I, I do feel for Ralston, he came through and his development was was ticking along nicely, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden we loaned him out to Dundee United. I was surprised when we loaned him out because he was part of the first team squad. At I that mean, point. I'll give him this. I would have had him over Maritz Bauer last season. Oh, he um, but Bauer was a player. <laughs> but uh, I think the, the guys that were ahead of him were probably quite a bit ahead of him. You know he, what would be good? It'd be good to have a look at his stats for Celtic. Mm. You know, we don't get bogged down too often with, with the statistical element. I know that there's some brilliant. Um, you know, numbers guys out there and obviously Alan Morrison has done a lot of work over the piece for a Celtic state of mind. Yep. We don't tend to get too bogged down when we're, we're chatting about the game, uh, the upcoming game, etc. But it would be interesting to see how Ralston actually did for Celtic. I think, was it maybe two or three goals ago? I, I do remember him scoring, I think it was against St Johnson at Celtic Park. Um, and do you know what? As you say, it's a, a kind of solid, reliable player. But there was limits when we're pushing, as you're saying, for five trophies, when we're trying to compete in Europe, mm. um, you're wanting someone with a bit more of a kind of football brain about him than, than Ralston. I think Ralston was just a big lump of a boy that you could put in it right back and he'd done a job. Sometimes you need that. I might ask Alan to do some digging with regards to his defensive capabilities. It would be interesting to see. Uh, brilliant point by Lawrence Z. Reed, who, <coughs> excuse me, is talking about, <coughs> excuse me, Chris Sutton was ridiculed for his comments. He was, yep. right? But Levine continues to be given a voice. That's a good point. Sutton was ridiculed, but let's put Levine on a national uh, radio show and allow him to doubt his fellow professionals' credibility and honesty. Is this, I go back to what I said about Chris Boyd. He was on Sky Sports when he turned around and says, there's something wrong in the Celtic dressing room. I know it as a fact. And he was never questioned on it. I know. It was, I think it was Hayley McQueen and uh, Chris Commons there. And they just nod along. Why we let these guys have a platform and speak about Scottish football is embarrassing. Uh, bring back the days where we had people that genuinely could analyse football. I honestly think Michael Stewart's one of the best in the game at the moment. I think Darren Fletcher showed that he's actually pretty good at it. Um, if we're going to 
improve the standard of Scottish football, let's also improve the pundits and the, the people that are analysing the game as well. Well, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm sure there's plenty decent, balanced. All you're asking for is balance. Mm. You know, if you just say stuff like what you're alluding to with, with Chris Boyd, I mean, I've seen some of the, the memes now. You know, the best of us have appeared in memes, Colin. Oh, but I've seen some cracking memes of Boyd, and you think, how does he get away with that? But I tell you what, right? So t- let's take a look at someone who sometimes can't be balanced, right? Stephen Thompson, when he's on uh, sports scene. Mm-hmm. He can make a very good point. Now, he has got that allegiance to St Mirren, he's got that allegiance to Rangers, but at the end of the day, he's probably a lot more balanced than guys like Chris Boyd, guys like Alec Ray, and uh, these are the guys that seem to have the platform. And I, I don't know, Chris Boyd was allowed to do that whilst he was still a footballer as well. I know. Which really irked me. The fact that he could go and play on a Saturday and then on a Sunday he could criticise a player. Yeah, exactly. That was bonkers. I know. I, I thought Thompson was better when he first came in. There was a freshness about him and an honesty, which in time, you know, has kind of probably been coached out of him. But mm. um, I still think Michael Stewart's good. Yeah, personally. I really like Michael Stewart. Yeah, definitely. Now Gary Doonan makes a point, and I know Gary's got a great knowledge of youth football uh, around Celtic and Scottish football. Um, Ralston, 16 years of age, on loan at Queen's Park, was more thought of than Andy Robertson's time there. That's an interesting mm. an interesting point. It's easy to write players off, and I'm not getting at you, Colin, mm. because we're all guilty of it. And I think, uh, you know, in, in many ways, I sometimes uh, have a joke about uh, where is Kundai Benyu, because, I mean... <laughs> Twice he's it, been it mentioned was an unu- It was an unusual signing in the first place, but then he, before you knew it, he's playing in Europe for the first team, and he just disappeared. But I just think with Ralston, he's obviously a player that we have nurtured over a period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually don't think and I've said this quite a few times that Jeremy Frimpong is a right back mm-hmm. his stats would probably prove that he's not a very effective right back interesting enough Boyer Boyer's stats at Celtic would prove that he is very effective defensively um, but Ralston I think as a backup to El Hamid who would be my first choice right back I mean yeah he played against PSG some time ago I'm not writing him off just because he's unfashionable or because he's a young player. Could he do a job for Celtic for a number of games this season if called upon? I'm pretty sure he could. I mean, if he was performing for St. Johnson domestically, he could do a job for Celtic. And I know that there are games, particularly in Europe, mm-hmm. where we're stepping up a level. He's been he's been challenged at that level. I just I think it would be a shame for him just to disappear be freed, sign for St. Johnson or maybe a, a club down south. He's still a Celtic player. He just isn't getting quoted or mentioned anywhere at the minute. You know except, what's ha- except by us. <laughs> you you know what's happening though. You did it last week with Ball and Golly. You prepared the Celtic Kiss fans for his return, and next week you'll be gone. That's it. You, you've you've signed his his release fee. By the way, I wasn't part of the Bolingoli uh, CSC, but um, I was looking at him as a as a actual option at left back, and that was blown out the water. Now, Agent Bolly Bomsky, uh, there, oh, there you, go. you go, good timing, comes in to tell us that Gold is a top player. He showed it at Dundee United. There's luck involved in getting to the very top, not only a question of ability, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and another comment from uh, Kamesy, two thousand and seven. Ralston was injured for a spell as well. To be fair, um, I don't want to be unfair on a player like uh, Ralston. I really don't. Do you know, I think there is an affinity with players that come through the youth system. You want them to do well mm-hmm. um, because they, they've given their time up to dedicate themselves to Celtic. So 
when they get the chance to break through, you, you do, you want them to do well. We've had guys like Dylan McGeoch that's came through, mm. scored a fantastic goal against St Mirren, disappeared. Mind your performance against Real Madrid, where he got a head knock. Did he not fracture his skull? But he was he was playing superbly that day. We played away Real Madrid exhibition game, benefit game, or friendly match. Ronaldo was playing. McGeoch was the best player in the park. I then he got it, a head knock. Was that the game in Dublin? Um, it was very sunny. Um, Whatever it was, it might have been in Dublin. But seriously, McGeoch looked like the best player on the pitch that day. Uh, there is. I mean, you look at guys that's come through like that. Um, and they've went on to have good careers elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, if I think back to sort of Martin O'Neill's team, we're looking at guys like um, Ross Wallace, who yeah. went on to have a great career, uh, Jamie Smith, uh, guys like that. So, um, look, not every player's going to make it that comes through at Celtic. If they get five or six first team appearances a season, um, and they offer something to the squad, that's great. We'll have these guys around. We've had that before with guys like Craig Beatty who we knew was never going to be the guy that we could rely upon to score 20 goals a season. But he was good for the odd game here and there. And maybe that will be the case with Alston. I've played alongside Craig B. He's got a good first touch. <laughs> uh, uh, Stevie Mullen has informed us that, uh, and reminded us actually, that the Madrid game was in America. America. We played them in the States. It's been a long time since we've been out there, hasn't it? Mm. But I do remember McGeoch standing out that day and it was a terrible head knock that he got. I think he was stretchered off. In actual fact, but um, I think when we're talking about young players, I always want them to achieve at Celtic. Yeah, it's there's, natural. There's obviously the investment, but I just want to see a young kid coming through the ranks. It's a very traditional way that Celtic have had about them since way back in the fifties. I think it's important in respect of when you look at the team that we've got now. You look at every successful Celtic side. There is a hardcore, be that two or three players like just now mm-hmm. who have come through the Celtic ranks and they know the club inside out and I think to have that within the fabric of any Celtic side is important I'm not saying Tony Ralston is that boy but I'm reluctant to write him off yeah and I understand that Um, for me my concentration and my viewpoint is is kind of tailored towards what's best for the team and if there's an option out there to bring someone in um, who could do a better job um, than Ralston I'd rather see that Um, but uh, he has played under Neil Lennon, though, hasn't he? He did play last season under Lenny, if I remember right. I wouldn't have played last season, Ralston, unless it was very early, early on. Doors. I would need to check that. But he has played. The question would be: Does does Neil Lennon fancy him? Because I know that he played games under. I don't think he went to France. Rogers. I don't think he went to Loughborough. Right. So uh, he did play against Hibs. So the second game of the pre-season test games at Celtic Park, mm. he played that game played the whole 90 minutes and then disappeared again so I don't know there doesn't even seem to be any sort of rumours of him going elsewhere either um, I don't know if he, he's training with the first team squad if he's training with the reserves what's happening um, but I feel as we get closer and closer to the end of the window he might be one of them ones you just see randomly appearing that he, he disappears out on loan somewhere yeah I don't want to give players a kiss of death everybody I speak to ends up getting sold <laughs> So that's it. Who's next? Tony will not be happy with me. Um, well, talking about players being sold, and obviously Bolingoli was one of them. Uh, that swiftly followed the departure of young Daniel Church. We've only got one left back. Yep. So there's been quite a number of players who have been um, connected to a transfer to Celtic, reportedly. Some of whom are not out and out left backs. So 
What's your thoughts at the moment on the, the speculation, Colin? It was interesting to hear Neil Lennon um, actually come out in the pre-match conference yesterday and say that the position's available and that it's somewhere that they are concentrating on. Um, it tends to be once you do that, the target starts to appear and within maybe about a week or so we, we have them signed up. Looks as if we're going back in with a third bid um, for the boys from Chelton, Alfie Dotty or Dottry. Apologies if I've got that wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, Eight hundred grand. There's going to be a bit of issue there with Chelton at the minute undergoing their, their takeover bid. Um, Thomas Sandgard, I believe, is trying to buy over the club, and it's a bit of a who owns the club, who's buying the club, a bit of a legal wrangle at the moment. So we might not get the news back that we want on this boy. Um, but he played against West Ham last night, and again, a bit like Scott Robertson. He was getting quite a lot of praise from not only his own fans but from the West Ham fans um, who would be half tempted to make a bid for him. Uh, 800 grand would be a good deal for Celtic. Looking at the Charlton fans, they're looking for maybe two, three times that. Um, even at that, I think if he's if he's got that ability, making a wee one and a half million, two million pound signing, a left back to back up Greg Taylor or to become the first choice, um, I think it'd be a good investment for Celtic See when you look at the amount of Players that Celtic have bought In the category of 2 to £3 million pounds Over the years mm-hmm. um, And even some that we still have who are out on loan You know your bios of this world And Sved etc Why would we be reluctant to buy a promising left back For a couple of million quid I know it's, it's crazy isn't it You know is it because we, we fell into this trap of You know going for fashionable players Who you know I remember the, the comment about Griffiths you know, if he, if he came from uh, some other country, he would be worth 30, 40 million quid. It was Brennan Rogers that said that, was it not? I, I can't remember off the top of my head. And I also can't remember who said this. I think you, you, it was yourself. But we were talking <laughs> You're about... You're quoting me now. Ah, I, I you must I'm be desperate. You. you must be desperate. We said about guys, um, once they've played sort of 30, 40 games, then they come out of our price range in the English leagues. We look at someone like Ivan Tony, who ended up moving for like six, seven million pound to Brentford. Yeah. Um, this boy Dotty, um, thirty games last season mm-hmm. in the Championship for mm-hmm. Charlton. Charlton get relegated. They're down to League One. Financial issues. He's now played three games this season. He scored a goal. Um, we're now verging on. It either has to be now or never with someone like that. Um, I take a look at the guys like is it uh, James Justin, the boy that signed for. Uh, Leicester was on that infamous list that was leaked. Yep. They spent £8 million on him. Mm-hmm. And once you play sort of 40, 50 games, then that's the sort of money you can you just get move for into them. That so, category, Colin. Yeah. You're absolutely right. And that, that's why it would be frustrating if it was a couple of million pounds, which, you know, I'm not uh, saying that it's not a lot of money. Of course it is. But in terms of the, the money Celtic have been shelling out for player after player in the years, generally for, you know, attacking players from. Mm-hmm. Clubs all over the world um, A couple of million quid for a guy like that If that's how much it takes Get him in because we, we definitely are short In the left back uh, area as well Now remind me Your St Mirren uh, team for tonight Against St Mirren Scott Brown was in it Yes But you are looking at Some of the the kind of disciplinary situations And the fact that he's on a couple of bookings Yeah I mean Scott Brown is a He's an easy target I think For referees in Scotland Um and unfortunately, he's only two yellows away from being suspended already this season. Now, we've got a lot of games coming thick and fast. We're basically playing three games a week as it stands. 
um, with a, with two league games in the Europa League game fit into seven days. We're also very, very closely approaching um, the first Glasgow derby of the season. Mm. And as much as I've said that I think Scott Brown needs to be phased out of the team this season, I also don't think that he can't, he, he, he can't not play that game. Celtic Rangers game, Scott Brown, I want him leading that team out of the tunnel. Now, I don't know if you play it tactically and you try and get the yellow cards over and done with beforehand or it takes a bit out of his game because he knows that's on his mind. Um, but if that's the case and we're, we're kind of walking that tightrope with him, maybe games like tonight he doesn't need to play. Maybe that's a, a game for an Encham or a Sorrow or a Turnbull to come in and replace him. Um, I know there's probably quite a few people out there that would like to see what Luke O'Connell can do. So he's been mentioned, but again, <clears throat> it's difficult because none of us have seen a lot no. of him for Celtic. We've all seen him uh, on a couple of occasions, and that's been it. But I, I'd hate to go into that game on October seventeenth, and Scott Brown's not the player leading the team out of the tunnel. And if it comes down to the fact that I mean, some of the bookings he's picked up this season just been because he's still getting up to speed with the game. Um, I, I agree with you. I thought he had a better game on Saturday. But some of the games we've seen him play this season already, he's always been that kind of yard off. I think the two-week international break helped him. So, again, I'd be really gutted if it came to October 17th and he wasn't the guy leading us out of the tunnel. Well, here's hoping that's not the case. Now, remind us of your prediction for tonight's game, Colin. I'm going to go with Celtic to win 4-0. Um, and a Yeti will score at some point. You're hearing from a very confident Colin Watt. We'll be back with you this evening for the pre-match, half-time and post-match analysis as well. Thanks to everybody for getting involved via YouTube, Facebook and Twitter. You can uh, subscribe to us on YouTube. It's free of charge. And we will produce uh, content more, more so live than anything else on a daily basis. So thank you all for joining us. And thank you to you, Colin, for joining me once again on A Celtic State of Mind. Take care, guys, and we'll see you tonight. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. 
Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Network.